am I am I that hammered right now? Or maybe we should create the hashtag grow the game. Mean it. <laughs> that's good. That's good. What is up, guys? It is your boy Coach back at you with another episode of the Shank Happens Podcast. Back to back weeks. I know we've been uh, taking some time off uh, because Travis and I have both been traveling, but I am joined here by my boy Travis, aka PJ Memes, the the legend himself. Bud, how are you? Ooh, what's up, man? How's it going? It's good. It's good. I felt a little left out with all the traveling you've been doing, so I decided to travel myself. I went out to uh, Miami, Florida, this last week. I spent the I week saw. at Doral. Played some some golf. Spent some time at the pool. Got some sun. So. It was good times, man. Get my game in order for this LA tournament coming up. How, tell us about tell us about Terrell. Did you play courses? They have three. Uh, so they've got four different courses. They've got gold, silver, red, and blue. Um, mm-hmm. I there was there was a couple closed. The blue monster was closed for for maintenance. They always close it in August. Apparently, I didn't even know, which was fine. I went and you know Brandon Kinesi, whole high is a uh, he works in the pro shop there. He's like their push pro shop manager. Oh wait, does and, he really? Yeah, dude. That's uh. I so I that. I knew I knew of uh, Brandon, and last time I went to Doral, which was a year ago, um, I went in there. It was all set up by Eric Trump and like big comp play golf and everything. And I went into the pro shop, and Brandon's like, "Hey, dude, I'm gonna be playing with you." I was like, "Dude, no shit. I've seen all your videos. I'm like, this is awesome. Great dude, like great golfer. He's got an incredible short game. He grew up with or uh, in the same town as Josh Kelly and knows yeah. him." Pretty well. And um, so, yeah, like I went up there again this past uh, week and got to play some golf with him. And then Rolly from Nomad Customs came out and played with us. My buddy, Mike Clancy, who used to work at like Von Zipper. Um, now is, he lives up in Jupiter and he came and played with us one day too. And we played Red Tiger twice, which is a super short course. It's like 6,600 from the tips. It's pretty long um, for you. It's long for me. I was sweating <laughs> it out, but... So yeah, we, but it was, it's super short, but it is such a tough course though. Like everything yeah. is super well protected. You've got water everywhere. Um, you have right. bunkers everywhere and the greens are tricky. So to go out there, um, and shoot a low number, I mean, you've got to be really, uh, dialed in on your game, especially your short game, but right. always fun. The weather was great. And like I said, just trying to get dialed in. I've got my tournament coming up in LA which you just committed to actually, you know, Ryan was uh, trying to skip out on the tournament and talked him into making it, making it happen. So <laughs> I, I have, I've, I've been ducking you on it a little bit. I've just been traveling uh, quite a bit, you know, um, over the past um, two months and, you know, we've got more stuff coming up in Ohio coming in September, which would be fun. Um, so I was, you know, trying to, trying to take a little break but hey you got me you got me I, you know he's gonna I come out man i haven't missed the pga memes uh for a while i think i've i've been to all but one or i don't or think have you've I, been have to, I, I think you've been to all of them yeah i think i've been to you're, all of them too <laughs> you're you're one of a couple that have been to all of them yeah. so we're gonna keep yeah. that streak alive you know yeah because yeah. the next so, one's in your backyard so we got to make sure that that happens yeah but. I'll, I'll be in that one my cousin and i are gonna play but um down yeah. in west palm but yeah dude Doral did look fun i i forgot that um i i played there like three years ago and i they do mm-hmm. a summer solstice event there and we you you play sun up to sundown um so it was me and uh dale 
Orlando and, and oh. Carolina, Carolina fit golfer girl. And, I remember uh, watching that you guys. Yeah. I remember was, that. Yeah. Yeah. It, we made the mistake of basically pulling an all nighter. You know, we did pull an exact all nighter before playing in the event. And, and thank God there was like a base, basically just like a tropical storm blew through around four o'clock PM. And we were only maybe halfway through the event and we were like, all right, good. <laughs> like that's we're enough done. golf. We, we just went and crashed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's a great facility, man. Um, but I'm really excited um, to see uh, Trump LA now. It's going to be. Gonna yeah, be I mean, it's cool. It's a public course, so it's not private like the others, but it's right on the water, carved out in a great piece of land. Um, and I mean, every hole, I think you've got a great ocean view. There's yeah. some really challenging, you know, shots off the tee, some long par fours, but some gettable par fives. And there's a par five I can even make it on in two. I made it on two. Last time I played there with my boys. Is it, and is it one of those I, is it one of those par fives that can also be played as par fours? Like it shows four or five on the scorecard. So, so. Fuck you. No, it does not. But it's I think it's just barely over five hundred yards, but the second shot plays pretty downhill and it's like it's got a pretty gnarly bunker that protects the front of the uh of the green and the pin was in the the back right. So my ball ended up short left on the green. So I was super stoked about that. That's cool. I actually, awesome. it was, it was pretty hard green. So I actually ended up pulling a Phil Mickelson and hit a wedge shot up to the higher tier of the green. Wow. Didn't even leave a divot, which was nice. It's just, I really clipped it, left it to like seven feet or something. And um, that's like the uh, Gary Woodland shot when he won the U S open at uh at Pebble, yeah, right? At Pebble. Yeah. 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 It was cool. I was like, man, should I do this? But it, you know, the green was really firm, so I felt good about it. But ended up walking away with the par. So it is what it is. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's brutal. So yeah, Doral's cool and all. I, I love it. Uh, the thing that's crazy about this, and I know I I can say this about a lot of Florida golf courses, but when you're walking the property or you're playing the course, everything looks like pretty level like the grass you know it's like you're in the fairway but you like as you're walking up the fairway that first and second cut almost looks like it's pretty symmetrical with the fairway so you don't feel like i don't know it just feels like it's really open because in texas a lot of the courses that i play there's like tree-lined fairways and, and even between the trees are a lot of like bushes and stuff like that so you gotta be careful yeah. of snakes and losing your your t-ball all the time and taking drops in, in Florida, at least at Doral, it's like wide open. So even if you do miss the fairway and you're under a palm tree or something, you have an, you have the ability to find your ball and punch it up. But what was crazy is that you you can't really find your ball that easy. Uh, yeah. You have to literally be standing over it. And then when you do find it, the grass, like especially, you know, it rains a lot in Florida, even on a beautiful yeah, day. It's thick there. It's just juicy and thick, man. So when, you, when you're trying to get out of that, just grabs your club face and – I mean, sometimes it hurts, like you yeah. hurt your wrist or whatever. And so that was, that was the hard part for me to get used to. It's like l learning when to take my medicine in that rough, because when you look down on it, it's what I'm familiar with. You think you can just power through it and hit, hit it on the green or whatever. And you just, you just can't, at least I can't. So it's, it's, yeah. that was one thing you really learned through in Florida golf. Yeah. It's funny. Cause you know, down here, you you see like the the cheaper golf courses like the the, the cheaper munis they're just kind of like a piece of property that was that was bought uh that they want to build houses around 
um, you know, nothing too high end. And there's really not a lot of character to it. It's literally just like a slab of land. So you got all these holes stacked up on top of each other. And that's, like I said, a characteristic you'll find in a lot of like the Florida municipal courses, right? Um, so you can miss left and right and you'll be on another hole or on another fairway and you can kind of hit right back in. And I think that's so funny that Trump Doral, like this super high end piece of property is kind of like that. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. There's definitely a, a lot of water on, on that course, well, specifically in the blue monster, but a couple of those courses are kind of wide open. And I think that's kind of funny because you know, the higher end golf courses here, they'll have that character. They'll have a bigger piece of property with good tree lines and nice water and some, a little bit of elevation at times. Um, not a lot, but it's, uh, it's pretty interesting so, to see that kind of Trump kind of has that public golf course feel just with really, really nice grass. I think it's kind of funny, but yeah, yeah it's, it's a good spot. Yeah, no, I'm glad I made it out. So I, it was crazy because I feel like I kind of got my ass beat on that course and I came home. I had some friends from out of town that, we're here in Dallas. Um, they flew in yesterday and we played a, a round of golf at Rangers golf club, which is yeah, so. the only, yeah, the only, uh, major league baseball owned golf course, which is, it's cool. It's, it's a course that got taken over fully redone. It's kind of like a hybrid links course in Dallas, which is great. Cause I love links golf. Um, as we talked about on the last podcast and, um, I went out and I made like five straight pars. I was playing great. I was making like medium range putts. I was feeling really, really good about my short game. Made a couple dumb doubles, um, kind of going in, uh, to the turn and then coming out of the turn, made a couple dumb, uh, you know, bogeys. And then I, I strung off two birdies and par threes ended up shooting. I think, I think I shot 81. Um, yeah, I shot 81, which I was happy with, with how many doubles that I had. But it made me feel good about my game again because, like, leaving Florida, I was like, "Dude, I <laughs> suck!" <laughs> like, yeah. I was, I was like, I just could not get my game together. I got beat by Brandon, who has no hands. That never makes you feel really good, you know. <laughs> Yo, that guy's sneaky good, man. I got to, I actually uh, hung out with him at Top Golf. Um, shit, I can't remember what it was for, but he was there, and I uh, got to meet him. Super cool guy. Oh, and then man. he, he's, he's lefty. Right. So isn't, is it yeah. artist clubs left-handed? Yeah. Yeah. He's, so, he's a lefty. Yeah. So he, he's like, Hey, like, do you want to try to hit my clubs? And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, yeah, I, I really want to like his clubs are like as tall as me, which is so wild. The funniest shit is the pictures of his golf bag with the clubs sticking out of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're way so out of cool. his bag. It's wild. Anyways. So he's, he's like showing me the technique he uses to actually hit it. And I'm just like, Holy shit. Like, how do you even make contact with this ball? Anyways, I get up to try to hit one. You have to like tuck the butt end of the golf club into your armpit. And I swung it and hit it so fat and the club just jammed into my side. And he's like, did that hurt? And I was like, yeah, it fucking hurt. He's like, yeah, yeah you know, whenever I hit it fat, you know, you, he's like, if you looked under my arm, I've got like red marks for days. He's like, he's like, but hey, you know, it works now. And I was just like, dude, that's, that's yeah, honestly that's so damn impressive. Yeah, guy's crazy. Dude, Crazy. so I'll say I haven't really shared this story. He's kind of shared it in fragmented pieces. But so when I was down there last year, I was just amazed. Like, it's just so inspir inspirational to see him with his with his handicap to, like, have such a positive attitude. The guy is just so witty. I mean, dude, he's a ha handsome kid, very witty, yeah. full of confidence, great golfer. He uses his lower body 
Um, I, if I could just use my lower body, like he does in his golf swing, I would hit it a hundred yards further. Like it just, yeah. I mean, he's, it's amazing to see what he does. And so just in talking to him, you know, I had a lot of questions just kind of like you just brought up. I'm like, dude, so what, how'd you get into golf? He's, I think he's 27 or 28 right now. Um, and I think he picked up the game when he was 18 or 19 or like fully, that's when he made like his set of clubs. And I want to say it was like his uncle or someone who helped him make these. Yeah. Yeah. He helped them build them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you could tell they were extremely worn because if you follow Brandon, like you see, he plays a lot of golf and it's not like yeah. he can just go get new clubs, you know, at this PGA superstore, or your local golf galaxy. I mean, these are custom built, you know, probably swapped out some, some grips and stuff, but even that's difficult for him to do. Um, these are all custom and, yeah. um, you know, he'd, he'd mentioned that he talked to a few like OEMs, you know, he'd mentioned that he'd you know met with some pros, um, you know, cause he went to Shriners and was out there with a lot of, um, uh, uh, disabled golfers and they were doing some stuff with the tour pros and stuff. And I think there were some empty promises of like, Oh yeah, Hey, I can do something with you or I can do something for you and yada, yada, yada. Right. And so, you know, I don't have like the most amazing, like deep rooted relationship with Cobra, but I'm like, man, my marketing mind started going off in my head. I'm like, you know, I think Cobra should do something with him. I mean, they, they're the only brand that has like one length clubs, Bryson, you know, promotes that. And he like built his own clubs himself. I mean, what similar stories they have and, you know, who knows this could still happen, but in my head, I'm like, they should do a documentary almost where like the two of their worlds collide and Bryson helps him and they build a custom set of clubs for Brandon and Bryson comes and like delivers them to him or something like that. I'm like, one, if there's anyone in this fucking world that needs PR is Bryson DeChambeau, right? So this would be like really good for him, but how great would it be for Brandon? And then how great would it be for anyone else who's a disabled golfer who has a handicap and thinks that they don't have a chance to compete with other golfers or just even have the right equipment so my head's are spinning in a million ways. And so I reach out to Cobra and they love it. Um, and you know them, I mean, they're, they're a small team. They've got yeah. a million things they're doing with a few people. So they, I'm very happy to say though, that they worked with Brandon they flew him out to Carlsbad and they did a fitting and they got him some clubs and they went out and played like a round of golf with him and he got it dialed in. And so now he's playing with his new set. He's got, his one length irons. He's got all the new like rad speed uh, woods and driver. He's got a staff bag and everything like that. And like, he's decked out in his Puma gear and everything. So they've taken very good care of him. And like, it's just amazing to see like in his game, I asked him this time, cause it's now been six months, I think since he's got his clubs, I'm like, so are you hitting it further? You know? And he's really not, he's, he's like, there's a little bit maybe there, but he said his game is just like, so more, so much more consistent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with everything from the, the wind grips and everything that he got, he's got a new sick putter and everything like that. So he, he's decked out, but it was just so cool to see. And I hope that there's something more that they can do there because I think there's a, a big story there in golf. I think that'd be a big win for, for Cobra 
and a big win for like a Bryson to be a part of something like that. I really do. Yeah. So, but yeah. it was cool to see that he got taken care of for sure. Yeah. It, that's so awesome. And, you know, we've talked about Cobra Puma and how they're, they're so willing to kind of step outside of their own comfort zone and, and think outside the box in terms of creating equipment, working with people like Bryson DeChambeau. So they really are the perfect company for, for a guy like him. And, and, you know, it's really cool. Like seeing his, um, Man, it made me smile so fucking much when he posted that uh, picture where he was on the uh, what are, what are the the golf boards? He had the golf yeah. board and, and with the yeah. red bag on it, and he was just like looked like the happiest dude in the world. And that was so sick, man. Like, and he he looks damn good in Puma gear too. Like, he's like the the perfect ambassador for Cover Puma Golf and mm-hmm. and and for handicap golf, dude. Like, I mean, he, this, this this kid is a star, and he's really cool, man. I I was really blown away by him when I when I met him. So it's it's. A, you know, dude, hey, hopefully he's part of the Cobra Puma team for good, man. He's- no, man, I, I honestly, like, I want to build out this team at PJ Memes and, like, make something bigger in golf. And obviously a lot of that's going to be fun. But part of me wants to carve out a space and do something with, like, a guy like Brandon to where we can, like, crowdsource and, and, and crowdfund something for him because there's this competitive uh, vertical in golf through disabled golfers. And, I mean, I've seen Brandon play. He's phenomenal. I mean – go out in his bad day i mean i fed him seven double transfusions when we played and he went out and still shot like an 80 on the red course and you know he's fine he's a fairway finder you know if he's hitting greens he's he's two putting at least he's making a lot of one putts he's he's a great golfer but it's like part of me is like it's just so inspirational not only for for handicap people but just for golfers in general to see you know what he can do but i i just think there's a place for him in this sport and I want to help him even further to see what we can do with him. You know, well, I think there's another step you can take and I'm going to Google something uh, right now um, just to confirm, but I wanted to see it's not golf Paralympics. How about that? It's not part of it. No, really? That's shocking. It is shocking. So, Okay, here's an article. Movement to make golf an official Paralympic sport by 2024. Fuck yeah. What do we got to do to get behind that? And what do we got to do to get behind get behind him for to, uh, to get him out there? I, I mean, mean, how sick would that be? How fucking <laughs> sick would that be? For him to be a gold medalist? I mean, that'd be sick. And, so. and you know, like, it, you know, there's, there's, you got to say, like, there's, there's a lot of handicapped people out there. You know, there are. And, and, it's unfortunate because, you know, guys like us, we can't even imagine what that challenge is like. And to see a guy like him go out there and, and like at the age of 18, let's talk about golf in, in the first place. People at that age, at the age of 18 and, and, and beyond, golf is a very intimidating sport to get into. Yeah. Alone. I mean, like it, it legitimately is a, is a terrifying sport for a lot of people to get into. And that's why, you know, you don't see a lot of people start to pick up the game until they're like 40 or 50 because they feel like, okay, the spotlight's off me and now I can kind of go out there and do my thing and sure. blah, blah, blah. But, but like this dude goes out there and, and takes that challenge just despite everything that he's got working against him and, and makes it happen. Like the, it's legitimately something you could make a movie out of. And if they are going to try to, if I'm going to read through this article after we get off this pod and see what they're going to do about that. But I mean, if golf's in the Olympics, uh, golf should be in the Paralympics as well. There's no doubt about it. And he should be there. That would yeah. be awesome. That would be sick. Yeah, that would be, that would be sick. So, wow. So, yeah, man. Uh, other than that, um, 
I do want to segue into something real quick. And for those that are close followers to the PGMEs platform, you probably saw that I did a giveaway in partnership with GTEC last week for some Ryder Cup passes. And I took down a little rant that I had on my page in respect to GTEC, but this is just me talking right now. This is just Travis. Um, this is not me in affiliation with GTEC whatsoever. But holy shit, this is literally, I've been doing this for now three years. I would say this is single-handedly the most ridiculous thing that's happened in the internet realm of things for, for Travis. Uh, we, listen, this page was started with fun. That's all it was. It was just like, how can we have fun? Then it was like, how can we challenge some of these pros and some of these brands and like do some creative, like fun stuff where we challenge them, poke fun, all in good taste, or mostly in good taste. Um, and then it's like, okay, now we're kind of getting bigger. How can we do some stuff to monetize and do some stuff with some brands and stuff? And here I am, this is my job now. This is my like career. This is my company, but it still goes back to the root of like fun. And we want to do fun stuff for the golf community. We want to do these giveaways sometimes that include like the best equipment that's out there. Like, yeah, like doing a driver giveaway or a Scotty Cameron giveaway, like people like you and I might look at that and be like, eh, all right, I could go get that for free. But think about how many young kids that are out there, those 18, 19 year old kids, or just anyone out there that lives on a budget week to week, paycheck to paycheck, that right. can't just go buy a brand new Scotty Cameron or buy a new yeah. Cobra driver or anything yeah. like that and stuff like that. So like, although like there's monetary value into doing those and that helps brands grow their audience to market to more people in the future and stuff. I look back at the root of those giveaways sometimes just like, Hey, this is a really cool opportunity for someone to get some really cool equipment or maybe it's a great experience. And this had to be probably the biggest and best experience that we've given away to date on the platform to go to the Ryder cup every day, with a ticket plus one to go watch the United States take on team Europe, all the best players in the world. What an incredible experience. And, you know, we were going to go hang out and, and drink and party with these people over the weekend. We're going to uh, fleet them with a bunch of merchandise, all the good stuff. Right. And Ryder uh, uh, G tech is like an official partner of the PGA. So this, it makes it a little different. This isn't just Travis doing this giveaway on my own. This is like G tech doing this through their affiliation with the PGA. They've paid money to be a partner um, with the Ryder Cup. They're going to be an official sponsor selling merchandise. The players will be wearing their pouch and all that stuff. It's probably going to be cold at Whistling Straits. You know the drill. So all's good there. It's not like they gave them 20 tickets to the Ryder Cup and they like took two of these out and said, we're going to give them away for free. We, we actually went on to like StubHub and bought these tickets. Okay. Right. So that's how that went down. And so we post it. And at first they're like fucking pissed that like, I even used the Ryder cup shield, the Ryder cup logo. I mean, like I'm trying to look around, like I have shit that has the Ryder cup logo all over the place. I'll probably post it on my, you know, stories sometimes of me drinking out of a Ryder cup cup, you know, it's like, who gives a shit? I mean, fucking like golf digest, golf.com golf channel. They're all going to be fucking using this logo. Are you kidding me? You know? So anyways, that's what kind of started the heat. And then it just like got to the point where it's like, take the, take the giveaway down. Like we don't want it up there anymore. And it's like, there were already like 7,000 people who entered this giveaway. I mean, talk about like growing the game, growing some excitement, something cool, something different. And then just basically just, Hey, shut it down. You know, it's like, I just don't get it. 
Like, I don't get it whatsoever. Like whoever there made that executive decision has no fucking clue. Like this is Travis speaking, by the way, too. This isn't, I'm not speaking for anybody other than me, you know, but has no fucking clue. I think it's the stupidest thing ever. It made me look stupid because I had to take down a giveaway that a lot of people had like entries. Yeah. And they had a lot of people excited. There's a lot of anticipation about it and stuff. And like, here we are just to shut it down. And, you know, we're still going to pick a winner. And um, apparently like I have to buy my own ticket into the Ryder cup now because they're putting, you know, them into jail over there. Um, But like at the end of the day, like it is what it is. I mean, they made their decision. G tech's a great partner. They're going to abide by everything. They want to keep that partnership, you know, nice and safe and happy and all that stuff. And that's great. You know, but that's just, this is me venting out that because I'm not a partner of the PGA of America and I'm not affiliated with them. And, you know, I don't even want to fucking go to the Ryder cup now over this. Like, I really don't like, it, it sounds crazy to say that, but like, this just pissed me off so much that it's just like, dude, I'm going to be gone all, all month of September, like away from family and just be traveling week after week. And like, it'd be nice to be home for a week. It really would be. And you know, it'd be cool to watch the Ryder cup on my couch with my big screen TV, but it's going to be also really cool to be there, but just the fact the way this went down, it just pisses me off. And I don't understand why the PGA of America pulls this kind of shit. I don't understand why the PGA tour pulls this kind of shit. It's like, it's all the time. It's nonstop. And it's yeah, never going to change. Yeah. This isn't the first time. And I think that's why I'm just like so frustrated by it because, you know, there's another brand that offered me thousands of dollars to do a giveaway um, actually, sorry, there's two brands. One of them offered me thousands of dollars to do a giveaway for the Ryder Cup, who's official partner of the PGA of America. I had to tell them no, because <laughs> I'm like, listen, if we do this together, you're probably going to get red flagged as well. And you're probably going to have to pay me, but I'll have to pay you back, you know? So that happened. And then I had another partner who's non, non-official sponsor of the PGA of America and the Ryder Cup, and they're still doing their giveaway. They're, they're doing it right now. And they're using their logo like fucking crazy. It's all over every post that they do. And you know what? They probably won't even get a phone call. They probably won't even get an email because they're not affiliated with them. They didn't pay the PGA of America thousands of dollars to be a partner. You know, so you think that they would be treated with more of this haste and more of this like negative uh, attitude towards them. But no, they're going to do this giveaway and they're going to just roll with it. It's probably going to be great for their brand. Whoever wins, it's going to have a great time at the Ryder cup. It's just stupid, dude. Like it's, I don't, I don't understand it. So we're going to still announce the winner. I think we're going to announce it tomorrow. Um, we're still going to have a great time. Um, maybe yeah, they we're going to announce podcast. the winner for the golf tournament where USA plays against Europe at a course in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll get banned after they listen to this podcast, but listen, yeah. I, this is, this is just me speaking my mind. I mean, it, this is not the view or the uh, opinion of other people, which it probably is, but uh, it's, this is my opinion and I just think it's fucking stupid. So. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, we've talked about the uh, kind of censorship they have um, put on things in the past and it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it, it doesn't benefit anybody you know, when they do this, it, it, it hurts people. I mean, like there's literally so much opportunity for growth in the industry. If they would just shut the fuck up and let shit go. I don't mm-hmm. get it. I don't get it. There, there's so much growth. We talked about it. We compared it to the NBA and how the, their content is freely shared. Their branding is freely shared. Mm-hmm. No one cares. No one cares. And it, and, and then you're creating these cult 
media outlets because of that, because they're allowed to share this shit, right? You know, like we talked about Whistle Sports and Bleacher Report and all these companies that are just sharing this shit out of yeah, content for sure. straight off the broadcast, you know, and, and, and you in every logo for every entity that is involved in, in that event is, is right there in your face and no one cares. No one says a word. Yeah, no, it's, but the, but the PGA tour, you know, it's so fucked. It's, it's, it's like a catalyst for, for the golf community itself. Like having to tuck your goddamn shirt in and not change your shoes in the parking lot. And you got to talk in a phone booth on your phone at Oakmont. It's, 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 it's the golf community itself. That's it. That's it. It's a yeah. fucking disgrace. God, I'm about to go on. I'm about to go on a rant, dude. I'm about to go. I'm about to get hard. Yeah, I mean, we it, can make a we can make a whole podcast on this. I, I'm not it, even a part of this this giveaway, and it's getting me fired up. Like it's 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 so goddamn disgraceful. And there's so much room for this game to grow. There really is, and it just seems like there's a select few behind the curtain that don't want it to, and they want to keep it the way it is, and it doesn't make sense to me. You know, yeah. there's so many different things you do aside from this giveaway and aside from, you know, what's allowed to be shared on social media and what branding and what wording is allowed to be used, but just the game itself. There's so many things that could be done differently that would make this game grow and make it more accessible for people. And it, it would just be fruitful for everybody. I just don't get it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. nuts. It but is hey, nuts, man. we're still going to be here. We'll, we'll, we'll just keep fighting the good fight. You know, we'll be here. Yeah. Believe me, I, I it's just annoying. You know, it's just some, you know, old dude who's just super lost in his like he doesn't know what's going on out there and like he doesn't know what's good for the game and you know he just finds you know one you, little. You know what I? You know what I'm looking forward to? Sorry to cut you off. That was kind of rude, but I'm just fired the fuck up right now. <laughs> the next time I see a PGA tour post with hashtag Grow the Game, I'm gonna light him the fuck up. I'm gonna light him up. That's it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, I mean, you, you should. Right. We, we, we went off on a total tangent on this we podcast. We did. Sorry for that. But hey, we, I wanted to be able to give people a little bit of an understanding of what happened last week because I had to take down a post where I did give an explanation of it, and I felt like it might have represented someone else's personal opinion on it, and it didn't. It was, it was just coming from me because, listen, I'm, I'm affected by this. Like, them making me take this stuff down affected my brand, and it affected my integrity, like the integrity that I have with, like, my – following when i do these giveaways and stuff i want them to know they're legitimate that they're for fun they're for experiences they're for the good of the game to grow the game and i mean it um maybe we should create that hashtag grow the game mean it but <laughs> um that's good that's good yeah but yeah oh i'm just gosh. gonna leave it with that just well, well yeah i like it you know I'm, yeah. we'll, we'll leave it there uh we we haven't even gotten to the first tee yet, tee yet. That was a long this, walk to the first tee. Yeah. Let's get let's get to it. So that was fucking let's, good. I like that. Let's like get that. to the right. let's get to the first tee. So obviously we had the Wyndham Championship, which is the end of the uh, regular season for the the PGA Tour, and we had a few names that uh, did not make it over to the playoffs, which was kind of crazy. We had Justin yeah, Rose just names. barely miss miss out. We had Ricky Fowler just miss out. We had um, Tommy Fleetwood just miss out, so we had some we had, we had some names there that you know guys who consistently make the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs not make right. it. But, but, but we also had some names in the Wyndham itself, you know, because that's like the tournament that everyone plays because they're trying to get into the FedEx. Yeah, Cup. And they're, they're trying to position I mean, themselves uh, good, right? Aside from the guys that missed, I mean, the field was like stacked. It was like stacked. 
I would, yeah, have, I would no. have paid to go watch that tournament. Yeah, hell of a hell of a field, but hell of an ending though. So I mean, you had an amazing conclusion to that tournament. You had someone who was wire to wire all week, and you kind of felt like he was just going to run away with it, right? Um, and you know, listen, Henley, like when he's on, he's on. I mean, that guy yeah. puts so freaking good. I mean, he's like automatic and it comes down to his putter that cost him the most at the end. You know, he had a putt to get into the playoff to, to, to see if he could seal the deal, but um, so many great players in the field, so many people that stepped up and just played out of their mind, but we had a freaking epic playoff with multiple players. And it's funny, this has been like a regular topic on this podcast. We I, talked I'm about, about to playoffs, say, I, I was you know? about to say, I, I think I spoke this shit into the universe. <laughs> like, like you did. There's, you did. There's, it's hilarious that like, we were just talking about how we saw a seven man playoff for the bronze medal and the Olympics. And I was like, I don't think there's ever been a seven man playoff on the PJ tour. And it turns out I was right because as I was watching, um, when I was, I was in Colorado at Lee, Lee, Colorado golf blogs house, we were just chilling before my flight. And, um, had Henley made that putt, it would have been the first seven man playoff. That's what I heard from the broadcasters. Yeah. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what I heard. It would break the record for the most players, um, in a, in a playoff. And, you know, I, I, obviously on tour, not on, um, obviously the Olympic level doesn't really count, but you know, I, even though it wasn't seven, it was six. It was really cool. And the one thing before we dive into the playoff itself, and I'll let you kind of take the horns on that, um, was the fact that they let them all play at the same time. I didn't know if they were going to do that because in the Olympics, they went four and three. Yeah. And I thought maybe maybe they'd go three and three, but they did them all at the same time. And I thought that was the coolest shit ever. So cool. Yeah. Anyway, back, back on it. No, I mean, so yeah. I mean, like at the end of the day, I didn't get to see a lot of the final round action because I was playing out at, at Rangers, but I was following it on my phone and – you know, Kevin Na had, uh, I mean, listen, Kevin Na's, I love him, man. He's my, he's my boy. And I want yeah. to see him win any chance that hard. he can. Cause I mean, he's a guy who I would love to see play in the Ryder cup. Like would love to see him play. He's, he has not made a team event. We talked about on the podcast last year about his snub at the president's cup. He should have been there. Wasn't, um, he's got a little bit of an uphill battle to, to make a captain's pick with the, the Ryder cup next month, but you know what, if he makes a good run here in the playoffs and maybe wins the FedEx cup, it's going to be hard for Stricker to not, to not pick him. Right. So, but he made a couple bogeys coming in on his uh, um, back nine and then drops an Eagle to get to 15 Mm -hmm. and makes the playoff. And I was just like, dude, this guy, but like the thing about that playoff, which was so crazy is all the dramatics on that first playoff hole. I mean, God, man. Kiz is up and down. Then you had freaking Nah make a 10-foot putt for par. Yeah, Kiz is up and down. Kiz almost hold it and won it right then and there. Yep. I mean. Um, yeah, that was incredible. And then goes down to Adam Scott with the freaking easy birdie putt just to seal the deal. And, yeah. you know, I think him maybe waiting on all this stuff to go down was the the dagger. You know, like you, you have think, to watch. Do you think, like, really? I, yeah, because for me, yes, because – when I'm yeah, like, but that's for you. You're not, not no, I know. But listen, these guys are human, though. These guys, I mean, I know they practice all the time, and but they're all human too. But like, if you think about it, when I'm playing my normal round, you want to play like ready golf, right? Ready right. golf to me exists all the way till the green. Once you get to the green, that's where I kind of like pick back up the spirit of the rules, where like you kind of let people kind of 
take their turn or whatever. The only time I'll make an exception to that is if I hit it within like three feet, four feet or something like that. <laughs> a lot of times I like to just get it over with. I'm laughing because it's so fucking true. It, yeah, so dude, true. because dude, if I'm sitting there and I want to watch all these fucking guys hit like three out of the bunker, chip over the green then chip back over the green or like three putt, you know, like, dude, yeah. now you're 20 minutes later thinking about that three to four footer. Like you're going to fucking miss it. Like you're no, just going to miss it. Cause now okay. you've, you've talked yourself out of your initial read and not, you know, so I don't, that's just me. I don't I know if give that's what happened to Adam I gotta Scott. Give but, my argument. Okay, I, I got to give you my, my argument now. Okay. I think the only reason and the only reason Adam Scott missed that putt is because in the back of his mind on the first hole of that round, even though he had a great round, uh, the first hole of that round, he missed a short putt for par on one made bogey. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been putting that great, but there was an interesting stat that I pulled up, which is actually kind of funny. Kevin Kistner is actually 0 for 5 for playoffs, right? He's been in five playoffs, never won a playoff. Adam Scott, he's been in three playoffs. Guess how many he's won? All three. He's really, I didn't. Okay, wow. All, well, all I knew he, playoffs. I knew he won at Augusta. So yeah, so so he's won all three playoffs. This guy's stone cold, and he's looking over, dude. That putt was like just outside of three or four feet. Like no, I know. And and it was uphill. He left it below the hole, right? I mean, dude, Kevin Na made his par putt like from above the hole with a massive on the, on the first time playing 18, he, he made two amazing par putts on, on the playoff. It was, it was actually insane, but like you had these guys draining putts, Brandon grace made a freaking 30, 40 footer to get into the playoff. And Adam Scott mm-hmm. is sitting over a three footer. And I, I honestly don't think if you're a, that caliber of a player and a guy that's used to being in that situation, that you're stressing over a three foot putt or a four foot putt, whatever it was. And you know, in, if you watch the stroke, it was a confident stroke. And it was a good stroke, but I think he made like a bad read on a straight putt. And, and I don't think that was because he was sitting there stressing over it and thinking about his line too much. I think he had probably committed early on. Like that guy probably yeah. looked at that putt as soon as he had it walking up to the green, had all the time in the world and committed to a line and then just went for it and pulled the trigger. Right. And, and I think that's what I would do in that situation is I wouldn't sit there and think about it too much. I would fi- find my line as soon as possible, commit to it and then go pull the trigger. And he just made a, a bad read. It was just an error. And, you know, like Adam Scott is such a stoic guy, like uh, under pressure. I don't think he, he, it it really matters to him. I don't think he gets that way. And and here's a perfect example of that. He hit the most phenomenal drive on that first playoff hole. I mean, put it just short of the ditch, right? Fucks up the win. Like had it, had it in the bag. Fucks up. I mean, imagine how shitty you would feel after that. How yeah. rattled you would be after that. Then he goes and steps up up on the tee and pipes another beauty right down the middle of the fairway. It's, he, he, he arguably was the best driver of the golf ball in that playoff. And that just shows brass, dude. It shows some yeah. sand. And I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. So that's my argument. I mean, but either way, he misses it, forces them to go. All six of them made par. And they had to go back. There were some tremendous up and downs. So yeah, no, I mean they were all over the place. I couldn't believe it. And when Kevin made that long putt to save his life, and I freaking freaked out. <laughs> yeah, and then when when Scott missed his, I'm like, dude, Kevin's gonna win. I mean, and it's that... so funny. Like 
Tit, that's what I thought too. I thought Kevin was probably going to win after after making that putt. But it was so funny. Like I was sitting there with uh, Kirk from Backyard Golf Game and, and Lee from Colorado Golf Blog, and they were like, "Up, oh, it's over." Lee, Lee went into the kitchen to cut up fucking cucumbers for us before my flight. I was like, wow. "No, Adams." I was like, "Adams, God is going to miss this putt," and he missed it, and we all just lost it. We lost it, and then we it was just everyone back to the team. I'm just picturing you guys eating cucumbers together. That's cute. It was, it was the funniest shit. Like I, I'd never been to Lee's house, known Lee for six years, and um, yeah, you know, went there in the morning before my flight, and uh, we had we had a wonderful breakfast at the house, and uh, we had some fresh vegetables uh, during the playoff later in the day, and yeah, it was a good time. Look at but, you uh, guys. All right, all right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'm happy for Kiz though. I mean, so Kisner gets his. Uh, was that his? Fourth, yeah, I think it was his fourth PGA Tour victory. Um, is it his fourth or is it third? I don't know. Either way, I think it's his fourth, but I can I can verify that. Real quick. I know he won in 2017, um, and then he won. That was his last stroke play win in 2017, and then at 2019, that was the uh, match play. Yeah, which listen, it's his fourth, so he's he's won on the the, okay, P- the European tour as well. So let's call it five worldwide victories. But he, okay. you know. I'm happy for him though. I mean, dude, if anyone else won in that playoff, I'm I'm stoked it was him. But I think one yeah. thing that was cool that you pointed out before we started this podcast too is the fact that you know the boys Na and Siwoo were <laughs> flying from uh, the last tourney to this one, poking fun at Siwoo's like historic uh, number that he threw up on that par three, and then Kevin's obviously big number on the par f- uh, four. Yeah. And both those guys, you know, go into the the playoff and battle it out the following week, which was pretty cool to see. Yeah. So the private jet in and then the playoff out was just so good. So yeah. Good. But dude, I'm I'm excited for the uh the FedEx Cup playoffs. What's funny is as after they've changed the format, um, I've kind of lost a little excitement about this uh about this the playoff. Um, obviously it goes into the tour championship where they really like change the uh the format and stuff when it comes to the scoring, but I've just, uh, I've kind of lost my like excitement about it, if you will, but I don't know why this year I'm, I'm pumped about it. I feel like we've had so many majors stacked back to back and yeah. we don't have any for so long that I feel like this is like all we got. So I really want to like get hype on it, but there's so much more riding on it right now too, with the Ryder cup coming around the corner, you've got yeah. guys playing for captain's picks and you know, Kisner's one of them. Um, there's a big movement for Kisner. I saw Riggs from Barstool uh, tweet that he's yeah. going to root for the Europeans if Kisner doesn't get picked, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, Kisner's obviously a, a fan, a big friend of those guys um, on their podcast yep. regularly and stuff. And, you know, I, I feel the same way of like Kevin Na, right? He's a guy who won a lot of events, got snubbed of a President's Cup pick the year before by Tiger. Um he picked Pat Reed. He picked Ricky over him. And I felt like now nah, was maybe a little bit more suited um, at the time. And then, you know, right now it's like, he's not going to be picked. If, if it was today, he's not going to earn his way in on points, but you never know. I mean, at the end of the day, if he makes yeah. a run here and wins one of these playoff events and then finishes strong with the tour championship, I mean, this is his chance, you know, and he's playing good golf. He's putting the ball really well. So, yeah, I mean, it's – and, you know, you got a guy like Brooks, too, that has been playing kind of not the best golf. Um, he hasn't really won a big event in quite some time. And I don't know why. I have this feeling Brooks is going to come out and play really well these playoffs and do something, you know. And, like, 
I don't know. I'm really looking forward to it. I think we're going to see some really good golf. I think we're going to see some people really step up. And I think we've got a lot to be excited to, to look forward to these next few weeks. Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested about the BMW because um, they moved that course. Did you see that? They moved it from Olympia Fields. Well, they move it every year um, through like a rotation, but where is it at this year? Well, yeah, um, the uh, the course is Caves Valley outside of uh, Baltimore, and I've actually been there. So I'm interested to see. Um, okay, so this is, how, this how is the first time I think they've played there. Yes, this is a new – that's what I mean. This is a new course. So um, – and it looks pure, but it looks tough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited about all these. I love watching these tournaments at Liberty National with the New York City skyline in the background. I think it's just a beautiful course, beautiful views. Um, the players love it. So, you know, I'm excited. DJ, remember last year, came out, started the playoff strong in Boston and shot – if it was like one off the all-time record, I think over four rounds, um, just went lights out. So he's the defending champion going into the week. Haven't really heard a lot of DJ here recently. So excited to see yeah. you know, him, see how he plays throughout this. Rom's defending uh, champion at the BMW. And then obviously a DJ uh, winning the tour championship last year in the FedEx cup. Right. So um, I don't know, man, I, like I said, I think I'm most excited to really watch this, not to see really who wins the FedEx cup. I could give two shits about that. Um, yeah. It's more about who's fighting for their life to make it into the Ryder cup because they've got some captain picks still up for grabs. There's still some spots I think there at the bottom that people can work their way into and, you know, it'll be really interesting to see. So I think maybe next week on the podcast, we can focus a little bit on where those Ryder cup standings are. Let's see how, how things turn we'll make out some here. Picks. We'll make, we'll make some, some picks. picks. We'll see how it goes, and you know, we'll have some fun with it. You know, you know. I mean, you know, we're we're, we're betting man. We're betting men. I That's right. Say. You know. Well, speaking of betting, so I will I will say, you know, we probably will start that this week, but we're going to be working with uh, our buddies over at Beer Life Sports. They've got the Oracle, who is someone who is uh, this algorithm based, you know, method of picking winners but he's got you know a winning record 15 years plus in vegas primarily football you know primarily football which is great i know a lot of our listeners i know a lot of our followers cross over into other sports including football and we got ncaa and we've got nfl seasons picking up but betting in golf is becoming more prevalent you know you've got obviously you can pick winners you can pick head-to-head matchups you can pick all these different prop bets which are cool which will be really cool for the tour championship, which would be really great for Ryder cup. Right. But, um, we're going to be starting to work with the beer life sports guys. They've got, uh, a bunch of riders that do a deep dive analysis on each of these events, venues, players, trends, all that stuff. We're going to be dissecting that too, as golf fans ourselves and incorporating that into the podcast, incorporating that into our pages and bringing to you guys a, a, a discounted rate that we negotiated for our, our audience to subscribe to, to get some really good picks. Um, I've been using them over the last few months um, since I kind of started working with them around Are you the up? masters. Are you yeah. Up, honey? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm up. And that's, it's, what's funny is like, I'm never up. I'm always like a, someone who, you know, hedges bets and ends up, you know, winning and then losing. And then I just end up ultimately coming just down a little bit. 
But with these guys, I mean, they've picked several winners uh, over the course of the PGA Tour season, and I haven't been on a part of all of them. There's just times I forget to put a bet in. But these guys are legit. Uh, they know what they're doing, and I'm excited to kind of officially partner with them and, and share this stuff with the audience. And yeah, so we'll be doing more and more of that. And of course, we have our relationship with FanDuel, and we can you know park you up there in the sports book or on the DFS side of stuff. But really, where it's going to be driving it through is beer life because you place your bets probably anywhere and everywhere, whether you're a bookie or you're doing it through you know, FanDuel or DraftKings. But we just want to make sure that you're getting the best information and the best analysis from people. And that's what you get out of beer life. So Ryan and I would be working with them more closely. And you'll probably hear more about that announcement this week or next week leading up to NFL season. So. Yes, sir. So let's jump over to out of bounds real quick. Uh, we've got buy a, yourself first, dude. You can do buy yourself first. Okay. We can do out of bounds first. Fine. Well, oh, come I on. mean, normally we end with out of bounds. It, 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 am I, am I that hammered right now or our listeners are going to need to get, need to give us feedback here, but uh, yeah, I mean, you want to do out of bounds first? Sure. You know, we can do that. All right, all right. We, let's do it. We'll end with buy or sell. I, I was figuring while we're on the topic of money and betting, we'll go buy or sell, but you know, shit, fuck it. You know what? We'll go to buy or sell, Ryan. Why don't we do that? We'll, why don't no, you, why... no, no, the vibes <laughs> off the vibes off. Go out of bounds. All right, so out of bounds. <laughs> here we go. So at the end of the day, we're going to, we're just going to start. We're going to end with buy or sell. We'll go to, we'll go to out of bounds right now. Let's talk a little like bit it. about boys trips i know we've talked and hinted around this topic <laughs> a little you bit said that was let's so talk about boys trips let's so, talk about boys trips. well you're the one eating cucumbers with the boys i'm talking about going on golf trips good, with the boys. Good, nice so, nice that was good we'll snap back there um all right so i've had the opportunity to go on some really fun golf trips as have you I think it's, you know, a lot of people ask questions all the time for me, especially like, you know, I was in Florida, Doral, a lot of people were asking me about the courses there. Hey, what other places have you played in so South Florida? I'm going to be going there in the fall. You know, I think it's always fun to talk about this and share, you know, my experiences with people of some great golf trips. And, yeah. you know, I know you do as well, but you know, let's just talk domestically because obviously you can get really wild and talk about Ireland and Scotland and, New Zealand and yeah, all these other yeah. places out there, but, you know, talking domestically, you know, there's so many great golf courses that are out there and so many great venues that, you know, people want to think about like the, the most historic oldest golf courses in the, in the world, but you have so many great courses just right here in the United States that, you know, you can get to pretty easy, pay a pretty low fee to get on and go play. Maybe there's a little stay play option there. But yeah, let's just dive into it real quick. So, I mean, I would say like, think about a three day, you know, a, you know, four day, you know, three night type of trip to go on with like a foursome of, of buddies. You know, what would you say? Like if someone were to say like, dude, one choice right now, where should I go? Yeah. I mean, shit. If, if you're going to go one choice, I mean, I could give you three, but, uh, We'll go ahead and hit hit the. I mean, you know, I I don't I don't want to just be like, all right, this is the spot. You know, this is where you gotta go. But if it but if it was down to one, I would probably say Pinehurst because, and 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 when I say Pinehurst, I don't mean specifically Pinehurst Resort, right? And and that's the difference because you know you could go to a place where it is a resort, you know, where you can stay and play, 
right? And you're at that one facility. And I think that's great with a place like Pinehurst because you are getting a lot. They, they have nine different golf courses. I mean, number nine's private, I believe, but, you know, eight different golf courses. And then you got the Cradle and Thistledew, and then you've got the town itself. And it, it, it's a cool spot. But if you were to go, if you were to go on the ultimate golf buddy trip, I would say find a place to stay. I stay at Talamore Resort all the time they've got great cottages it's right down the street from pinehurst resort but yep. i love that area because there is like over 50 golf courses just right there in a little bubble i think there's like 54 golf courses in i think it's monroe county is it monroe county or moore county either one and you know so i go stay at talamore resort you know, that's a great piece of property in itself. The, the condos are great. Each, each condo is like legitimately set up for a golf buddies trip. They're all, four, uh, they're all four bedroom, two bedroom. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and, and then each room has like, uh, two full beds in it. So it's like designed to fit like an eight some in each cottage, you know, nice. and, uh, or, or force them in each cottage. I, I, I'm all fucked up. I'm drinking a little bit, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, just got off. Man, he's kitchen. all over the place, everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, great, great spot to stay. But then, in terms of playing, obviously, you can play Talamore's golf courses, which they have Talamore Golf Resort. Then they have Mid South, and then you can go play at any of the other goddamn golf courses you want to go play. You got Mid Pines, you got Pine Needles, you got Tobacco Road, you got Dormy, you got all the Pinehurst courses. You've got, you've got so many amazing golf courses to play and the coolest thing about this place is that the whole economy of the town revolves around golf you know and i find that to be really really special um you know there's there's the pinehurst brewery when you want to go out at night and get some food and get some drinks you've got uh dugan's pub which is like a staple right there in old town downtown pinehurst yeah. And I absolutely love that place. Irish pub, great food, great drinks, good time. You know, it's not a place where you want to go if, you, if you're looking for nightlife. It's a place you want to go if you're looking to play some damn good golf, eat some good food, have a couple beers, and hit the hay before midnight so you can wake up early for your tea time. And it's, it's, just, it's just really – I always say it's my favorite place in the world. I always say, okay. and, and, you know, you, you know, you and I have been, well, no wonder you chose that, places. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So if you're going on a golf buddy trip from coach rusty, my choice is Pinehurst, North Carolina area. You don't necessarily have to stay at Pinehurst resort. Um, if you do, that's truly special. It really is. But if you can find a spot, Airbnb, stay at a cottage somewhere, Talamore resort, where, wherever, just find a place to, to lay your head and trust me, golf will be available. So go there. Yeah. What's well, yours? So <laughs> well, so yeah, what's yours? I would say, given that it's a four-day, three-night trip, I'm gonna go with something a little different because so I've got abandoned every year. You and you and I had the opportunity to go last year together. I'm actually going uh, next month, um, about a month from now, yep. and I'm super stoked to go out there again. But I'm going for a full week, and when you go to Bandon, you almost have to go for a full week because you obviously have a lot of courses available to you there, especially with the, the opening of Sheep Ranch. And you want to be able to play some of them twice. And it's a hard trip to get there. You know, it's, it's not easy. So it's not like you want to go in for three days and have a couple of those days be really jam-packed of traveling. So, so I'm going to cancel that out, even though that's my favorite place to go to in the United States. But I'm going to say Sand Valley is where I would recommend people to go. 
So when you fly into Milwaukee, you make your way out West and you, uh, you go out there to that resort. I'm going to recommend that they have other courses being built there, but currently today you've got sand Valley, you've got mammoth dunes, you have the sandbox. Um, but at the end of the day, that's where I won my only Bodagets cup. So I'm, su- I'm still super <laughs> excited about that, yeah. but, uh, it's a great place. And like, what, what I love about it is it's got that banded feel to it, but you have two courses to play. And if you go out there for four days, you can play both of them twice. And I always think it's important too, when you go out to a place like that, that you get a second crack at a course. Cause yeah, I mean, how point. many times have you gone to a place and you're like, man, I, I loved it, but man, I was nervous or I, I messed up on that one hole and da, 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 da. So to go back out there and get a second crack at it, you know, you might not go out and redeem yourself. Maybe you do. I don't know, but at least you had the opportunity to do that. Um, so that's what I liked about that is like, you got to go play those courses twice, each, each of them, but it didn't feel like you were playing the same course again. Cause you, you know, maybe the elements are different. It was like colder, more foggy. And then you get to play it in the afternoon the next day and it's a little more firm and fast or maybe high winds. So I would recommend there it's easier to get to. It's not too bad. It's got a couple hour drive from Milwaukee airport. Um, great hospitality cheese curds are through the roof. I'm sure you probably had some amazing <laughs> cheese curds when you went out to some, to squeaky Wisconsin. Squeaky as shit. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna try to avoid the cheese curds when I go up to Wisconsin next month, but it's gonna be tough. Those Just all beer. Sick. All beer, no cheese curds. I don't know if that's a good plan, but <laughs> maybe I'll just do both. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. It's easier and more fun to be fat, I think. You know? Yeah, trust me. I, after my Colorado trip, I jumped on the scale when I got back. I was not happy about um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. so Speaking of, of guys' golf trips, or even if, if you ladies are listening, girls' golf trips, don't want to discount that. But yeah, yeah, um, uh, g- girls go to Pinehurst too. It's it's great, <laughs> great. <laughs> so let's talk about like golf games and betting on the course and stuff. Like a lot of people, I what I've found is interesting is like I've grown up in golf with a very small group of people. You know, you always kind of gravitate back towards like the few groups that you have played with. And obviously like you move on in life and you move to different States or different circles of friends and stuff, but those circles of friends, not everybody golfs. And so I always find myself, you know, I've got this small circle of people who I will golf with regularly. You know, I've golfed with like, I golfed with three people yesterday that I don't normally play golf with. And we didn't bet. We just went out and had fun and you know, it is what it is. But if I go out with my regulars, there's something on the line, you know, we're going to call it on the first tee box. And if it's someone who's like very regular, we already know what we're getting ourselves into before we even tee it up, you know? But what I found was interesting is when I go meet up with like you and your buddies or, you know, what other people like the games that I'm familiar with that I think everybody just fucking knows about. And I bring them up to like you and you look at me with like, cross eye and you're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, why would you play that? You know? So that's just the six know. fireballs I had before teeing off. <laughs> that probably is that or the beatbox I chugged. Who knows? But yeah, so I, I think it's interesting and it's worth worth talking about because I would say like a year ago, I'd have been like, this isn't worth really discussing on the podcast because everyone plays this game. But the reality yeah. of it is is no, that's not the case. And so I mean I'll start off because you started the last one, but for me, like my, my go-to that I always love to play is Wolf. And 
you know, not everybody surprisingly has heard of Wolf and sometimes people play it, play it different, but yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, I think everyone has their own interpretation of, of different things, but for me, Wolf is you've got your four golfers, you'll flip your, your T or whatever before to determine who Wolf is and Wolf will tee off first. And then you go yep. in that order of however the T fell. And before you hit, you can go blind wolf. This is before you hit, before anybody hits. You could say, I own this shit. This is my hole. This is my distance. Whatever it is, I'm going blind wolf. And that is a four to one bet. So you're saying, so you're saying if you go lone wolf, well, we call it, well, I guess blind wolf is if you're going first, but if you're going blind, it quadruples the bet. Yeah, sorry, blind wolf. Yes, yeah, so you're blind. You have not hit. No one's hit. Blind wolf. It's okay. quadruples the See, bet. There's four already to one. Okay, so like there's already a difference there for us. For us, if you go blind wolf and in your wolf and you're up to the to the box first and no one's else has hit, it triples the bet. But okay, continue. Yeah. This so is yeah, nice. we, we're learning. Yeah, so we quadruple and then if you hit it and you just pipe it, then it's two to one. If you like if you if you go lone wolf, so this is lone wolf. If you pipe it and you know you don't need to bring anybody with you, then two to one. This is after you've hit. So you haven't after called blind. Hit. You haven't called blind wolf. You hit your tee shot, and then you go lone wolf. Then it's yes. two to one. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And so, and so for you, for those of you listening, you're like, I don't even know what wolf is, or whatever. What I love about wolf is, is let's say you play it traditionally and you you hit. You don't have to go lone wolf. You now have three other people who are going to hit that you can observe and take hostage with you. So if you hit a bad tee ball, you might hit, a, you might score a bad score that hole if you're playing for like pride or, you know, your score or whatnot. But if you're just playing to have fun and play for money, you have someone with you that can carry you, right? So if Ryan hits second, I have to pick him between his shot and the next guy hitting though. I can't let, right. you know, Josh and, and, Lee hit after that and then go back to Ryan and say, Oh, those guys didn't hit very good. I want to pick, I want to pick Ryan. You can't right. do that. So, so if you liked your shot, you can go lone wolf two to one. If not, you let the next person hit. And if I pick Ryan, Ryan and I are now teammates and you basically are playing a best ball format against the other two people. So if, if Ryan ends up making a birdie, I make a seven or whatever but those two guys both make four. We win. You take the burn. And yeah. Yeah. So we go from there. Um, so, so well, the last thing though is it, the last thing that I was to say is like, if Ryan hits one OB and then Josh duffs one and then Lee ends up slicing one of the woods and I'm in the fairway and I don't really like my shot, but it's better than those three. You can still go lone huh. wolf and it's just you against them. So but your bet's not two to one, though. See, see, okay, so that's where that's where I come in. I think, and I, I don't know why I haven't thought of this before, but it should be four to one if you go blind wolf, right? That makes sense. And then if you hit your tee shot before the other guys have hit it and you decide to go wolf right then and there, it should be three times the bet because you're going lone. There should be another word for it, but you're going lone after just your tee shot. And then if you get to watch everyone hit, right and then you still go lone after that then it should be two to one because like no matter what if you're lone wolf it's always two to one for us mm -hmm. um which well, it good, sounds the, like the good thing is if you go lone after everybody fucks up you still get paid so like 
the, the moral of this is that there's a dot value, right? And so you right. guys can determine the dot value before you play and say it's $1 just to make things yeah. simple. Um, and if you ever go play golf for $1 dots, you're a bitch. So not true. Out. Cause I got a story for you. Well, <laughs> that gets into presses and we will talk about that. But <laughs> at the end of the day, um, if I go alone, if I go alone and you guys all sucked it up, you all have to pay me one dot. So, right. So, you're so that's three. three bucks. Yeah. So it's basically three, you know? Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. I, I like, I like the way you play it. All right. So, so with, with Wolf, um, do you ever get into presses for the, uh, low, low player? And if you do like, at what point on the course do you do that? Yeah. So the two things there that are like up for, I guess, debate of how you can play this is one is you can do carryovers or you can not do carryovers. I always do carryovers because the dramatics, like when you, when you play with teams, like it's fun because it could be a six hole carryover where everyone just makes par. And then yeah. all of a sudden someone just stops one. And yeah, for, for, real quick, but for those of you that aren't familiar with carryovers, I know most of you guys are, but like, let's say the first hole is worth $1, one dot, like every dot's worth a dollar. Um, yeah. And then both teams tie, meaning both, like, let's say both par, then there's a carryover. And now the next hole is worth two. And then, you know, if the next hole you guys tie again, uh, whatever the teams are for that hole, then the next hole's worth three. So yeah. that, and that, you can, that, that can get deadly. It can. It can and get deadly. You, and that's the thing is when do, these things are worth. Do you do birdies, worth... double, eagles, triple? Oh, 100%. And oh, see, you, this is awesome. Yeah, so you do birdies, double, and double will, a double will carry over the entire carryover. So if, yes. if this hole's worth eight and you go blind wolf and you birdie, you can make some serious money, even yeah. on a $1 bet, right? And then if you if you get dot for closest to the pen, you know, there's little things that you can throw in there, right, um, to get creative. But carryovers are always a big one. And I, I've played in groups where people like no carryovers because those guys have probably been burned a few times where, you know, and it's funny too because you could be the shittiest golfer in the group, but if you pick the right teammates – and, or yeah. you get lucky on a couple holes, like you can end up winning the most dots. I mean, you go out and shoot yeah. a 96 and still make some money. Um, and then as far, to answer your question on, on as far as presses, we instituted this rule um, a while ago because when I play golf and gamble, it's usually some, for some significant money. I mean, I'm not talking like Michael Jordan type money, but it's, it's usually like hundreds of dollars. It's even been in like the thousand plus range before. And people can lose friendships over some of these dumb things that can happen. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So when you get to 17 is when you're able to press. And the way we do it is the press is the press is up to the low man on the dot total. So if I have two dots and the next closest person has 10, you know, and then someone has like 15 and someone has 28, basically me as the low person can determine how much I want to press and will only allow them to go up to the amount that you're down, but from the lead. So okay. at yeah. that, in that example, I'm down 26 dots. So I will, I'm able to press to 26 on one hole, but yes. I don't have to, I can press five, I can press 10. Yeah. So at that point, you're basically knowing like, Hey, I'm comfortable losing 10 dots 
but I don't want to lose 26. So I'm going to just right. meet you halfway or whatever. But it's more fun to do the whole thing because, again, you can take someone hostage with you to try to help you out and you come out ahead or you can break even when you're down the entire round or whatever. So or that's you on can bring 17. that guy down with you. It yeah, you yeah. and you can. You can. And that's yeah. happened to me before on both sides of it. And it's the worst feeling. But so say 17 happens and you press and you end up coming out to where you're like all tied. Yep. Then you get to 18 and it's kind of level. And at that point, it's kind of like the bet's kind of like dead. Yes. But there's a lot of buzz, though, walking to that tee box. Like, oh, I can't believe this. You know? And so at that point, we always just get to the tee box and we kind of just make a new bet. Like, that's the way my buddies have always done it. It's like, hey, let's just make this hole worth 100 bucks a man. We even did that, I think, when we played at the Ritz at your course. Um, Yeah, yep, yep. And so it's... uh, and Matt Cardis drained like a 30 foot putt for birdie. Uh, yeah, that was clutch. Yep, 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 <laughs> so at the end of the day, like you can call your own bets there, but like we don't let someone press just whatever they want. Um, obviously when you do that, I think it's fine to do that. I guess if everyone agrees to it, but it's, it can get a little squirrely, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, there's, there's so many good games out there. Um, like at, at my club, a lot of the older guys like to play a NAS hall where it's, you know, front nine, back nine, and overall you set a value uh, mm-hmm. for whoever wins uh, the best ball of the front nine, best ball of the back nine, and best ball overall. It's pretty easy. Normally we'll do like 10, 10, and 10 sometimes. And, uh, you know, that that's fun. That's an easy game to play. Um, and then um, the, the common game, <laughs> oh, man. There's been some wild shit that happens with this game, but the common game is uh, just like a, a skins. And basically, it, I mean, it's generally just a skins game, but you'll set a, a, a dollar value per hole, oh. which will normally start with a dollar per hole. And I know that sounds like nothing, nothing, but we'll do carryovers and presses. And if you really want to get spicy, you can press double what you're down, right? So if you're down two bucks, you can press to four. You know yeah. what I mean? So that way, that way you can come out on top. And if you do that, it can get really, 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 really expensive. It really yeah, can. Big time. I, I, I got a story, you know? Uh, <laughs> I've got a story. I won't, I won't speak any names, but I got you a story. Should. You should no. name drop. No, I'm not going to name drop, but I got a story. And you know, if they listen to this, they'll, they'll know exactly who they are. But, um, uh, I played this game, dollar hole with carryovers and presses. And you can press anytime when you're down. Not 16, 17, and 18. You can press it anytime. So we start playing. Um, you know, I go down three bucks. Then I press double when I'm down. Make the hole worth six bucks. We tie it. It carries over. And carryovers double, right? So it goes to 12 bucks. You know, we both birdie doesn't really matter uh, or, or one one person birdies right and if the person that was down birdies it, it can snowball and the, the money can just get ridiculous so, so you know like through through six holes you could be down 30 bucks before you know it, it it's it's hard to imagine but it happens right so yeah. long long story short a dollar hole game with carryovers double carryovers and presses on the uh 16th hole it gets to let me make sure i got my math right uh 300 
right? Yep. We carry over. And the carryover doubles. It makes the next hole worth 600 bucks, right? So 17, it's a par three. Me and the guy I'm playing with uh, both miss the green. We both have to get up and down for par. This guy hits his uh, chip shot first. He's a little further away. <laughs> I, I keep trying not to say the name. He hits his uh, chip shot first, uh, gets really, really close to the hole, and I'm just like, you know what? That's good. Makes his par. I've got maybe a 30-yard chip. I put it to 10 feet, and I'm like, shit. Right? And uh, I end up making the putt. I made the putt. I huge fist pump. Crazy. Awesome. But I almost wanted to miss on purpose because I didn't want this to carry over again. So like mm-hmm. I said, kick carryovers double. So this $600 hole goes into 18 at $1,200. And this man, I almost keep saying the name. He presses <laughs> to make it worth, <laughs> to make it worth 1200. So the, the a double press. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh my God, like, uh, a $1,200 hole or no, sorry. The hole was already $1,200. He pressed it to make it a $2,400 hole. Okay. And I'm fucking shaking in my boots. Like I I've never played for this amount of money in my life. And I'm on the T first. I hit my shot. It goes right 18th green or 18th uh, hole of the Ritz Carlton right sides. Kind of like where the driving range is. There's a bunch of trees, not a great spot to be, but left is water. So I'm just like, fuck it. I'm keeping it in play. Um, then my buddy, he hits his tee shot. I don't see where it goes. I couldn't see it. He, he immediately picks up his tee and he's like, that's good. And I'm like, shit, you know? So we go up, we start looking for my ball. I find it. I'm on this like, uh, pine straw mound. I've got trees in front of me. I've got no angle at the green. My only angle is towards the water and I have to hit Mm -hmm. this sweeping hook. So I hit a three iron, like 240 with a big old hook starting over the water ballsiest shot I ever hit in my life. Pure about 50 <laughs> oh yards, my gosh. 50 yards short of the flag. Right. And, um, then we can't find his ball. And I'm like, I thought you hit it good, dude. And he's like, dude, I swear it's in the fairway. I was like, well, yeah, there ain't no ball here. Time goes on. We eventually find it. It's not in the fairway. It's off to the right as well. He mm-hmm. finds it, hits his shot. He puts it to the right of the green. He's pin high. Probably got like a 20 yard chip, a 20 yard pitch, whatever. And I'm like, shit, dude, like this is, this is like so scary. I hit my 50 yard shot. I leave it like 20 feet from the flag short. I'm like, fuck, fuck. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. My dude, he hits his chip. He probably leaves it about 10 feet short. And he's great putter. And I'm just freaking out. I have to putt first. I got a 20 footer. I'm just like, dude, just get it close. Like, just get it close. I hit it a little firm because adrenaline, right? Sure. Yeah. But, but no, I'm, I, I didn't want to leave it past the wall. I just wanted to get it close. And I wanted to bank on the fact that he was going to miss his. I drain it for, for birdie. And what did birdies do? They double. So this $2,400 hole was now a what? What 4, is it, times 4,800, almost five grand. So I'm like, I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, but I'm like quiet. I don't even celebrate. I don't fist bump because like this amount of money is like ruined friendship money, like you said earlier. And he hits his putt and he misses. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, I just made yeah. 4,800 bucks. And then I go up to him. I'm like, dude, 
I'm not taking $4,800 off you. I'm not doing it. 1500 bucks. Pay me that, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's fair because here, here's the, here's the fact he made it a 2400. Yeah, he did. He did. He put that pressure on me and I was uncomfortable with that. Like I almost wanted to miss a $600 putt and just call it a day because I didn't want it to get worse. So he put that pressure on me and I came out on top and I, I, I literally cannot believe I did that. And I'll always remember it, but I, I'm like, Hey, pay me 1500 bucks, blah, blah, blah. It's all good. But at the end of the day, it still wasn't all good. The guy didn't like that. I even made him pay me 1500 bucks, but I know really sure this is saying this dude would have made me pay him $4,800 if he had birdied that hole in one and I missed my birdie. But so, you know, dude, it can, it can get crazy out there. So guys, moral of the story is if you're playing a betting game, you know, only be willing to throw up what you're willing to lose, you know, because it can it can get a little rough out there. It can get rough. There's yeah, more to I this mean, story, but we're not going to dive into it. But yeah, shit. I, I I think I mean, listen, I think what you did is the right thing to do because. Yeah, you, you make that extra money, but it's like you're going to probably never play golf with that person again. And that sucks. And you, you lose a friendship. But I would have probably started out at like, listen, dude, I know birdies double, but I'm not going to do that. Like, oh, let's just dude, make I it 2400. You know, I told him I told him at the big at like the the like sixth, seventh hole when it started kind of getting expensive. But like it could have not gotten worse. But I saw the potential for it to get really expensive and i was like hey dude let's put a thousand dollar cap on this he declined i mean you know that's your fault that's your fault bud it's your fault dude i need to golf with your friends this sounds fun do you guys you played straight up though i i use my handicap net net champ over here no no he he gave me he gave me one aside one aside this wow. this guy this guy shoots under par at this golf course all the time. I've never shot under par at my home club. I yeah. don't know why. I just can't figure it out. But um, yeah, yeah, dude. Wow. One side, right. still still shot. He he didn't play well, and it's unfortunate. But like I played really good, and dude, whew, whew. Wow. I'm a, I'm a gambling man. But shit, that made me kind of like take a little that's, break, and you know, so that's so a, now now when you go back to Travis saying betting for a dollar hole is is a <laughs> kind of a puss move <laughs> no it's not if you play it the way i play it so yeah, yeah. all right all right yeah, well man. interesting take there i'm curious definitely uh share with us in your comments or in the dms like what games you guys play on the course too because there's so yeah. many more ones out there including a new if, game that know, we're gonna be we'll be dropping this game bad go- bad cards good golfers will be dropping this game at the pj memes challenge in la it's a cool game where you have cards that are good, bad, and ugly that you can share with your team and draw and do fun stuff. I mean, that's like cool stuff that I think gets people involved in a game that normally yeah. wouldn't play. They're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, so you can do this and, you know, benefit or you can, you know, screw a buddy over with this or whatever. That's something you're knowingly getting into, though, where like everyone's going to have fun with it. But when you bet for actual money and play some of these traditional games, it gets pretty intense, you know. It really you know does. What, you know what would be cool is if we had anyone listening to this pod that has like a really good golf gambling story, and we just bring them on the pod. Yeah. Who, whoever whoever's listening right now, if you have a really good story, send us a direct message on the Shane Cappins Pod Instagram. Tell us a, a, like a couple cliff notes of your story, and if we think it's valid, we'll bring you on the pod and we'll talk about it. I think that'd be yeah, cool. That would be cool. Be fun. That'd be fun. That would be cool. Well, um, we'll do, carry us over to the the home stretch segment here, Coach. Yeah. 
Normally that's out of bounds, but uh, we're going to head right into my favorite segment of the show, ladies and gentlemen, buy or sell. We're going to keep this uh, buy or sell segment, um, you know, kind of golf related. We're going to we're going to go kind of off the cuff and, you know, normally we kind of keep it relevant to what's going on uh, with current events. But I just kind of wanted to uh, dive into golf a little bit, you know, in some of my opinions and ask you some questions. So I'm going to fire off the first one here. I don't think we've talked about this one yet, but, you know, I was playing I was playing Colorado and um, a lot of OB, a lot of OB out there. And when you're playing with your boys and you're trying to keep a good pace, OB can be kind of a bitch and you kind of make your own rules. And um, it started to lead me to think like it shouldn't belong on the golf course. So buy or sell, there should not be OB on the golf course and everything should just be considered a penalty area. Ooh. Oh, I'm going to buy because that would help my game out quite a bit. Um, <laughs> the guys I'm going to abandon with, we – we we play it like the real score. So like if if like I hit one into the neighborhood and it's white stakes, then I'm gonna tee it up again and hit three. And you know it's tough because like a lot of times that will result in a super high number. You know you're super pissed off and you'll go shoot a ten or you know an eight, nine or ten, and we put that down on our scorecard. Like there's no hey double max, yeah. triple max, whatever. So we'll do that, especially in this like Bodagas Cup tournament thing. You know, we, we have to keep like legit scores and all that stuff. And so it's frustrating because it can mentally fuck you. And when you know, like, hey, I'm just going to drop up there, you know, like it's just such yeah. a good feeling when everyone just like, agrees with you. Um, pace of play, huge thing. Um, I like to play fast. So I'm going to buy all day long. I think it's great. I think it's good for your score. It's good for your mental game. I think it's good for pace of play. Yeah, I'll buy as well. I mean, there is the new rule where you can drop with OB, uh, but it's two strokes. But even that, it's just like kind of bullshit, dude. I mean, there's there's some sometimes I'm on a golf course and OB will be marked. I'm like, why is this not a hazard? It's not someone's backyard. Like it's 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 you know like there's a, there's a fence. There'll be like a local rule where a fence is OB, but then beyond the fence is just a wide open field, and it's like, dude, I could just go hit that or oh. or if i'm not supposed to be hitting there just like it, it is playable and it's not there's an like, there's an old course here um cedar crest i think is what's the name of it they played the pga championship there like 1921 or something fucking like so long ago um but i don't know what hole it is but literally it's just like a, it's like not it's like a block away like just hitting your like if a right-handed golfer blocks their tee shot yeah. You could literally land past these white stakes. And guess what's on the other side of the white stakes? The fairway of another hole. Oh, my God. That it's is brutal, so, dude. It's, that is it's so the messed worst. up. I've yeah, seen that like, before, too. It's I, I've never been on that side of it, but, like, I've been near the edge. And I've told myself, if my ball was five feet to the right, I would not fucking consider that OB. And I wouldn't let yeah. anyone in my group consider that OB either because it's just bullshit. That's terrible. I mean, like at the Ritz Carlton on on the 18th hole where I missed my shot right during the PNC Championship, they marked the driving ranges out of bounds, which is just like okay, like maybe I get it because it's the PNC Championship and these guys were just legends. But like, if I'm playing that golf course and the OB is on the driving range, I've been out of out of bounds a million times because there's water left. You're trying mm -hmm. to avoid it, and then they're just going to put OB to the right, like where you can easily go go into. It's a slight dogleg left. If you hit it straight, like you're going OB. It doesn't make sense. It's just 
garbage. Yeah, so that's dumb. you know, like the whole the whole the whole like you know, go back to the tee box and hit the ball. It's just bullshit. It's bullshit. I think there should just be penalty areas. I don't think that having OB on a golf course, even at a professional level, is is a huge deal. Like if you go in it, everybody that goes in it does the same shit. They take a penalty yeah. stroke and they move on. Like I it's agree. just ridiculous. So and, and and to your point about pace of play, I mean it would just make golf faster and you know, that's that's obviously extremely important uh on a on a uh, amateur level i mean there's nothing worse than a slow round of golf so yeah, yeah i mean but you know most people when there is ob on the golf course on the public golf course nobody's go- going back to the tee like could you imagine <laughs> could you imagine like there's like a a threesome up in front of you at some like ho dunk golf course and a guy hits it ob he's like sorry guys i hit it ob i gotta come back to the box and hit real quick i'd be like are you fucking serious <laughs> like just no. go go play golf i've like, seen it like abandoned in those types of places but i've never seen it like a public course like that god that's just it's just so dumb no one no one uses it it's it's stupid so um all right next one um another good one this this is a real good. This is something I'm passionate about, and I think that gives away my answer on this. But buy or sell, you should always be able to lift, clean, in place when your ball is in the fairway. Buy, buy. Yeah, that. I mean, I, I don't really have much to say other than buy. I mean, it's, I. What's the deal? You know what I mean? If you're in the fairway, um, I would also add to this if you're in a divot you get to like roll it out of that divot it's like that's just bullshit that you get penalized for a great shot um i don't know i just think uh why not i mean reward yourself with a good drive clean it off if you need to place it back down where it was and go from there you get a long way to get that ball in the hole so who gives a fuck yeah and i I formulated this question because you know i i I'm pretty biased. I live in Florida and it's often wet, especially in the afternoons and you hit a great drive and you're already penalized because it's wet out and your ball's not getting any roll. In fact, you're probably getting some backspin and then your ball's got some mud on it. And it's just like, let's avoid the mud balls, boys lift clean in place. And, and I, I think that that should just be a thing. I mean, like, especially the divot thing, man, like a, a divot, what are you putting in, in, in the divot? You're putting divot mix in to do what? To repair it right yeah. that should be ground under repair first of all so that, that's a totally different question in itself like buy or sell if your ball's in a divot you should be able to lift clean in place because that should yeah. be ruled as ground under repair fucking buy 100 percent. but if your ball's in the fairway i mean if you're playing a, a a a golf course that's halfway decent which all the pga tour players are your lie is going to be the same yeah. Every time you're in the fairway, I mean, you're going to have a great lie. So you should be able to lift clean in place. It should be within a very fine area, I think, for sure, because you definitely don't want to improve your lie or your stance, but it should be lift clean in place 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, this one, this one uh, you brought up, and I like this one. Um, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, buy or sell, making a birdie on the first hole is bad news. I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go against my gut feeling here, and I'm going to say sell. Whoa! I'm going to say Curveball. Yes, because at this point, any birdie I can get, I need to fucking take. So, (laughs) But historically, whenever I make birdie on the first, man, the memes are true. It just derails quickly after that. I don't know if it's because, like, you're riding this, like, high that you're, like, you know, invincible, you feel like you're going to go low and the golf gods just come out and just bitch slap you and put you back into check or whatnot. But 
I've had some rounds where like, like I had, dude, I had a round where I started birdie birdie once and I almost hold it. It was at my old home club. It's got a dog leg left par four. And if you cut the corner and just even hit a 230 yard drive, it will on the fly and it bounces, it will bounce up like, you know, 250, but it's like cutting the corner so much that you're like literally 20 yards off the green. Okay. And I just hit my 54 degree one hop, kissed the cup and just like was barely out. Like I almost made it an Eagle tap in birdie, go to the next hole, make a birdie. I'm like, dude, I'm two under through two. Like this is insane. <laughs> I'm like, I, I think I've been to two or three under a couple of times in my whole golf life. And I made like four doubles in a row after that. Like it was just off. And like, then I just like, I'm like still like focusing though. After the two doubles, I'm like, dude, I'm still only two over right now. Like I can get this back. And like, I was dialed in and I still couldn't overcome it. It was just like the worst. And I was like, man, I should never start that hot again the rest of my life. Like (laughs) can't do it. But now I'm just looking at it. I'm like, that's obviously just in my head. I would take any birdie I can possibly get. So I'm going to sell. I think yeah. a lot of people disagree with me on that, but that's where I'm at. No, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still two strokes off your uh, off your score. So I mean, I, I I'd sell as well. I mean, I, birding the first hole, I look at that as a safety cushion. I'm like, all right, well, I know I'm going to make some bogeys. At least I'm covering up one, you know. Yeah. And I'll probably make a couple other birdies out there that'll cover cover up some of my other bogeys. You know, mm-hmm. I I haven't had a bogey free round in such a long time. Um, in fact, the other day I shot 74, all pars, two bogeys. I would have killed for a birdie on the first hole. I would have yeah. killed for it, you know? And and I literally, it was at the Ritz-Carlton. I was like, this is my chance to shoot under par for the first time in this course. I'm playing so good, driving the ball well, hitting a ton of greens. And um, two penalty strokes um, got me. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. But I, if I make birdie on the first... I'm normally pretty pumped about that, especially if it's a course I'm familiar with where the first hole is kind of difficult and you're making birdie on the first and, and you're getting one of the hard holes out of the way with a good score. It kind of boosts me a little bit and it just kind of makes me feel a little bit more confident going into, into the next hole. And so, yeah, I'll sell. I mean, birdies are, birdies are always good, dude, yeah. regardless. Well, of- I've, I've got one for you, actually. It just popped in my head because I had okay. two of these in in miami and they felt really good okay buy or sell a penalty stroke par feels better than a bird yeah i'm buying for sure i would buy i would buy um man i feel like i had i had one of those recently i had a penalty stroke par and um i mean i mean in in theory you're you're basically playing the whole like you birdied it right Mm -hmm. So it feels like one, but also when you get a penalty stroke, you're like, fuck, like, yeah. let's try not to make double. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then you end up making par and it's so much more rewarding. I mean, that just means that after your penalty stroke, you had a, f- a phenomenal shot and a one putt, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, no. and, and that feels good going into the next hole and for throughout the round. So yeah, I'm buying that's that dude, a penalty stroke birdie. You know, you know who has a really good penalty stroke story? A penalty stroke par is Josh Kelly. We should bring him on the pod and talk about it. But he has uh, a hole in one, and then he's got um, a penalty stroke par and a par three. Isn't that pretty cool? 
So Are you serious? Yeah, you put it in the shit. I forget. There's a name for that, but you put it in the shit, and then you re-tee, and you make it in the hole, and you make par. Oh, <laughs> that's just – I've never known anybody who's done that. That's insane. Dude. I, yeah, I had two – I dude, I had two of these last week, and they were both on par fives. And yep. I hit incredible approach shots. One of them was to, like, three inches. And I didn't realize it was that close. I knew it was a good shot, and – it had a little bit of a high, like it was a high fade. And when it hit on the green, it just had a little subtle bounce to the right. And I was like, Oh, it's working its way back to the cup. And it was like three inches away. just a tap in par. And like, you just walk away from those. So proud. Like you're like, yeah. okay, you kept your composure and you put it together. And you know, even sometimes when you protect bogey on those types of holes, you're like, okay, limited the damage, you know, but to yeah. walk away unscathed, you see it all the time on tour, right. Especially yeah. on these, like these short par fours, or it's risk reward. These guys put it into the shit or something like that, but they still find a way to make a par and it's like no big deal, you know? Um, for me, no, it's not the case. So to come away like in a couple of rounds with two of them, I was like, dude, these like feel really good, you know? Yeah, they did. And I made and I made two birdies yesterday and they felt really good too. But I'd have to say that the penalty put or penalty uh, stroke pars feel better. So I like buying that. all day. I like that. That's a good one. I, I think we should end there. That was that was a that was a solid cap. That was pretty good. There we go. There we go. Yeah, man. Penalty strike part. I, I honestly I would agree. I don't think uh there's much that feels better than that. Other than a nice little eagle here and there. But there's a few things, coach, that feel a little better than that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll end with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, we got the uh, Northern Trust coming, so look forward to that. Get some golf in now that Coach is coming to LA. We need him to bring his uh, his A game, yeah, uh, to the West Coast. Which... Yeah, I got I got to watch the the uh, the the uh, you know I don't want to sound like a goddamn alcoholic on the show because I'm I swear I'm not one, but man, I I was just in Colorado, showed up to Lee's course at King's Deer, shot 74, first time ever seeing it at elevation. Being from Orlando, I couldn't breathe the whole time. Played great. Had a couple drinks. Not even a lot. A couple drinks. The elevation got me played terrible the next day. So mm-hmm. um, I might I might show up like super late. So I'm just forced to go to bed prior to the tournament so I can get out there and win one of these things. Yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. yeah, we we can just not serve you alcohol at all the whole weekend. <laughs> no, Coach. Are you Coach Rusty? Yeah. No, sorry. You're cut off. <laughs> no, sorry. This yeah. is my Mormon friend. He's going on a mission next <laughs> month. He can't drink. <laughs> so oh jesus oh uh, all right man well good catching up catch some sleep we'll uh we'll be back next week after the northern trust and see where we stand on the Ryder cup stuff and uh and go from there yeah absolutely can't wait all right everybody thanks for tuning in we'll uh see you next week